Hi, I'm Samuel Broden, an advocate for all things childhood, and welcome to Honoring Childhood, the podcast, where we have candid and casual conversations on childhood. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Honoring Childhood, the podcast, where we have candid and casual conversations on childhood. Very excited to have my dear friend, you may know her as that early childhood nerd, Heather Burnt Sancy. Hi, Heather. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? My pleasure. Well, I told you I was grouchy because of tangled sock yarn. So I feel like this is a trick. But um, (laughs) big big picture, I'm great. Love it. Love it. Um, For anyone who doesn't know you, you want to just take a minute to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. Um, so my name is Heather Burnt Santi, and um, my day job is that I am an early childhood program chair and professor at a community college in Indiana. Um, my non-paying job is that I host a podcast called That Early Childhood Nerd, um, and then somewhere in the middle uh, are all the webinars and speaking gigs yes. and things that I do. So um, I've been working with with children and their families since I was 19 and I'm 52 now. So whatever that math is, we don't do math here. No, good, good. Um, but it's, it's more than 30. I think it's just a little bit more than 30. So I've been doing it for a long time. Amazing. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah, very excited to have you. We're going to be talking today just about some misconceptions that people have surrounding childhood, surrounding, children, what they can do, kind of all of that, because I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions, Mm -hmm. um, especially surrounding, for me, what children are are capable of doing or handling. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I definitely feel like it's, it's, there's a huge misconception around that. Yeah, absolutely. There is. (laughs) Um, And for me, I think, what what came to mind first when you when you suggested this as a topic one of the things that i don't want to say it bothers me because i know where it's coming from and it's not i don't know but um like like when i'm teaching a class i always ask you know why are you majoring in early childhood why do you want to do this work and when i was a center director i would ask you know those kinds of things in interviews mm-hmm. and i'd always get i always get at least one person maybe probably more that want to talk about how children are just little sponges and it's so exciting because they're just little sponges. Um, You know, the implication being that they're useless until you put something into them. (laughs) (laughs) And I, you know, I understand that that's, you know, uh, a metaphor that's been around for a long Mm -hmm. time and uh, goes back to the tabula rosa or whoever that was. John Locke maybe was the tabula rosa. Anyway, um, uh, and that's, you know, that's starting off as a def- deficit model and sort of choosing mm-hmm. the work because of what you can put into the deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I hope is that then I'm able to help them see all the ways that children are competent mm-hmm. and uh, the way we can support that and how it looks different from a traditional image of school or teaching. Yes. yes. No, that is, 
That is very true because I feel like that's, that is what so many people think of when they think of children, right? They think that I need to make sure that I'm telling them what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching them, right? How they should be acting, how they should be behaving. And if I don't do this, then they're, they, they're not gonna be able to do anything or know anything. Right. Mm -hmm. But I just find it really interesting because when you kind of just let children be and you're there as like a support and you're there kind of observing and watching, there's just way more that mm -hmm. they can do and that they can think and that they can talk about than really like so many adults even give them the chance to, and even just the idea of telling an adult to give the child the chance to do that is sometimes yeah. something that is so frowned upon. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, so I've, um, oh, so I've been doing, um, a lot of reading and research over the last several years about schemas and children's play as, as people know, if they've listened to me, um, and I know, you know, um, and, and part of that discussion is, or part of that, my interest in that is, um, how can we advocate for play mm -hmm. better? And, and that's exactly what one of the barriers is, is sort of teacher identity, or I, I call it teacher ego. I don't mean to, you know, call names with that, but I think it's, you know, it's my identity as a teacher if my image starts with the idea that children are nothing <laughs> until right. something is put into them right. and yes. I'm the teacher. So I'm the one who has to pour the water on mm -hmm. um, to make them squishy sponges instead of <laughs> hard, crusty, gross sponges. Um, <laughs> uh, then, then it is really hard to think about play because what's my role there? Mm -hmm. um, exactly. How am I a teacher? What do I do with all my expertise and my knowledge mm -hmm. and my, um, uh, Pinterest. Do people still use Pinterest? Oh yes, my oh, teachers, yes. teachers, stuff. So, so I think that um, you know, it's that it's that image of the child that guides what we do. And so, if your image of the child is that they are competent, driven learners, mm -hmm. um, then then that's going to impact your your interactions with them and your plans for them differently than if you go in thinking, um, well, they don't really know anything. Right. <laughs> right. No, that totally. And it's also, I feel like, I feel like there's so much need for control behind all of that. Right. Yeah. I feel like there's such, whenever I talk to teachers or really just adults who have children or work with them, like there's always this feeling that, well, I can't let the children get out of control. Yeah, I can't let the class get out of control. And it's like this, this need that we have to control what, what they're doing, what they're saying, um, how they're feeling. Yeah. And it's just, it's a really interesting thing to think about when you really take the time to like dive into like where that comes from yeah. and why it is that you feel that way. Right. Cause part of it could be just, that's just the cycle, right? Because that's mm -hmm. how it was when we were children, right? We were right. controlled in this controlled environment. And this is kind of what we're taught. And this is what we see again, Pinterest, all these like controlled activities, controlled yeah. things. And so we feel like if the children of the classroom is quote unquote out of control, then that is reflecting negatively on us yeah. 
because we don't have the ability to control these children who are so much younger than us when it's really the children who should be learning and having control over what they do. But that, that thought process is something I feel like that is, is happening a little bit more now, but I feel like it's still really far off in the grand scheme of Uh like childhood and and how people view children. Um, But it's just, it's, it's so much about control. Yeah. And I'm a good teacher. If there's never misbehavior. Exactly. Or misbehavior in quotes, because I hate that word, Um, but I use it because that's what communicates, you know, the idea to people. Totally. And it's interesting because, you know, way back when I started, like that was what I thought I had to do. Right. Those were the things that I thought I had to do. And so it's like, I used to pride myself on being the teacher whose classroom was the most in control or whatever they wanted to say, right. The most well-behaved class. And I thought that was great. But then when I really sit and think about it, I was like, well, I was like stifling so much of what these children could do. And, you know, it's sometimes hard to kind of get out of that mindset of like, oh, God, I really just screwed all these kids. <laughs> right. And like, just think like, OK, this is just a learning experience. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 one of those things that's really sometimes hard to kind of shift that mindset because it's been totally. so ingrained in us that children are people that need to be controlled. Sure. It or, goes way back to our Puritan roots, huh? right? yeah. to, to my Puritan roots. <laughs> um, the, 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 you know, this, the United States is essentially based on um, ideas of morality mm-hmm. that are questionable yes. and um, the idea of adult control mm-hmm. um, and, and mm-hmm. children being sort of inherently you know, we talked about people believing that they're empty. There's also people that believe, um, even in early childhood settings, that they're that they're evil, that they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, they're naughty until we can, yep. until we teach that out of them. Yep. Um, and that's uh, harmful and exhausting. <laughs> yes. And it's so interesting too, because when you think about it in terms of like, we we're taught to have this control over the children because the goal is, at least in this country, to create another society of people who are going to be controlled, be okay with it, follow along, don't say anything, and Mm -hmm. just give into this whole capitalistic environment of like, you don't matter, we need to control you, and you don't even know that you're controlled and you're okay with it, right? And it's just like pipeline of like getting children to that space, Um, which... If you think about it like that, why in the world would I want that? Like, why would I want that? And it's, and I also think it's a misconception when we, when we say we let go of that control, then there's like an assumption that now the children are disrespectful and they're just going to be horrible and they're going to get kicked out and they're going to do all these awful, awful, horrible things when really it kind of ends up being the opposite actually, you know, yeah. we create spaces where children are are more respectful to each other and to themselves, more kind to each other and to themselves, mm-hmm. because they are being told and showed that they have power and control in who they are as a person. And yeah. they don't have to just blindly go along because right. I'm, what, 30, 40 years older than them? How that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's definitely been my experience. And, um, uh, you know, I, I again, I, I, when I first started, I was very young when I first started working with children, I didn't know that there was anything to learn about yeah. working with children. I didn't know it was a thing you could study. I just thought, um, I used to babysit in church and I'm good with kids. You know, I did Sunday school, all that stuff. So, um, so my ideas very much came from my own school memories, which were elementary school, right? That's that sort of controlled environment and um, everybody following and, and, and toeing the line and doing the same Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And then, uh, you know, over the course of several years, I evolved into my most, you know, finally my most recent experience as a teacher in a classroom of, of young children was almost entirely free play mm-hmm. with, you know, some routine stuff thrown in and a, a, a story time in the morning, yeah. uh, you know, that lasted maybe 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there was, honestly, there was, there was never a behavior problem. <laughs> There was never that that mm-hmm. loss of control that everyone's afraid of, mm-hmm. um, because the kids didn't have anything to fight against. Like they didn't yes. have to try and assert themselves. They didn't have to try and get their their needs met, um, because they were already being considered. The needs were already mm-hmm. being considered, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know, I I was a, a teacher in a classroom of one-year-olds for two years and never had a single bite. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm not saying that if to- toddlers bite, they definitely right. bite. Yes. But, um, you know, a lot of it was because uh, I was on the floor with them all the time. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of um, understanding and, and, and freedom and trust and respect for yes. who they already were. Yes. Um, and so there, there weren't as many stressful kinds of things that often lead to biting. Um, yes. I'm regretting bringing that in- anecdote up now because biting is so prevalent. I don't want anyone to think I'm saying you've done something wrong <laughs> just because a toddler yeah, bites. There's things to consider. It's things to consider. And I think it's interesting, too, because I feel like when we take away that need of control, we're also taking away that idea that children have to do something to earn our love or earn right. our good graces or anything like that, right? Because right. when there is so much control, now the children are, well, I better make sure I do this right because then Mr. Samuel's really going to like me or then this is going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. It takes away that because that is another thing. Like, why are these cycles that we're wanting to continue, right? And I think it takes a lot of, you know, just kind of just reflecting on our lived experiences and how those have affected us now, right? Because, you know, if you think about it, there's lots of places in our personal lives, I feel like, that intersect with the work that we do. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if I feel like I was one of those teachers who needed so much control over the children, right? And then when I think about it, I'm like, oh, I also am a little bit controlling in my personal life too, right? (laughs) Like I feel like I need to have a lot of control. So it's like these things that, where does that come from? Why is it that way? You know, how did those experiences like shape me? And then was it good? Were those things good? Right. And that's a hard thing for people to think about. Um, Especially if you kind of have this mindset of like, Oh, I had a great, wonderful childhood um, and I did all these things. So it must be great. And then you're right. you don't want to dig deeper because you don't want it to seem like it, it, it wasn't great, but it's just all about 
how those experiences have made you who you are and how you can use that to just give something more than what you had mm-hmm. a better experience for them. So they don't have to kind of go through these struggles of feeling like they need to have control, feeling like they can't speak up, feeling mm-hmm. like they can't advocate, feeling all of these things that kind of go away when we, when we control them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and it's hard. It's not fun work to do to think about those things and, and think about like, maybe I've done things that are not the most supportive for these children, right? Maybe I haven't given them the space that I really want to. Um, and that can be an uncomfortable thing to, to understand, but it's going to get you to the place that you want. Because if you don't reflect or don't think about it, then you're kind of just doing the same thing over and over again. And I feel like we can all agree that just because something has been done forever does not mean that it is the way to do it. Right. Absolutely. And if, if we're going to say that children's behavior is a communication of need, then we can certainly acknowledge that adult behavior is a, a, you know, communication of one of our needs. So, you know, I had a very chaotic, uh, late childhood and teenage dumb. (laughs) And, uh, it, it, so for a while that that need to control really did sort of feed that that need to make sure the chaos was gone or that to, to prove that I was out of that chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I was much older that I was presented with a different way of thinking about it. And, um, you know, thank goodness, because it's changed um, how I am with children and how I am with the adults who work with children. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, I think it's also interesting that a, I feel like a lot of adults have this like idea that children don't understand their emotions or aren't able to have real emotions or real feelings. Because I mean, how often do we hear, and I'm sure we've all said it right when the children are upset and crying and we're like, Oh, you're fine. Yeah. You're, okay. you're fine. Right. And it's like, clearly I'm not fine. I'm literally crying, but it's that, it's that whole idea of like, what is it that makes us want to shut down that kind of like outward expression of, of any type of emotion besides happiness and sometimes even happiness, right? Like what, what is that? Because that is going to lead. That's why we have so many people who, who, can't have successful relationships in their life because they can't express their emotions or all of these things that we see in our own lives or in the lives of the people around us. And we're like, man, I really wish that he would open up and speak about his emotions. Oh, wait, he doesn't know how to do that because every time he did, someone told him to be quiet right? or or invalidated it by saying it was fine. So it's just very interesting to me to kind of think about like, where does that, where does that even come from that idea that, children somehow don't feel the same way that we do or don't understand the feelings the same way right. that we do. It's, it's well, very interesting. Every, every time I think like, you know, because the other thing people say is be a, come on, be a big boy, be a big yeah. girl. Yes. Um, I'm a big girl and I certainly cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I certainly get angry. So, so it's just, you know, I think so much of it is, the teacher scripts of American childcare culture. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we get in that setting and we change. We're no longer 
individual full humans. We're teachers and we're no longer working with um, fully human, uh, but slightly younger children, people we're working with the group <laughs> and, um, and we have the schedule and um, we just sort of throw authenticity out mm -hmm. because um, uh, we feel like that's not, you know, our job as teachers, we have to be sort mm -hmm. of clinical and professional. Yes. yes. It's, I, this whole topic is just so interesting to me because it's, I like to think about things a lot and I try to tell other teachers and adults to think this way because sometimes it's easier. Like just thinking again, like if you came to me crying and I told you stop crying you're because you're fine. If someone said that to me, I would lose it. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it's, there's just this like dynamic, this hierarchy that is like assumed that children are like all the way down here and that us for some reason, because we've been alive for longer for some reason that we're up here and that we, we know so much more than they do and, yeah. and all of these things. But it's like, if we're not giving them space to learn about their emotions and learn how to recognize them and name them and work through them in a way yeah. that's positive for them, what are we expecting is going to happen when they get older, when they yeah. grow up, when they, even when they leave us, right? Because they're going to leave this, this short amount of time they have with us. And most likely they're going to go into this public school system, which like you said, is that we're doing the, you're sitting here, you're doing what you're told. Don't speak up. Don't do this. And mm -hmm. so they're never going to get that opportunity to really just express themselves and know right. that it's okay to do that. And so I don't know. And it's, and it's interesting too, because I feel like so often adults are just uncomfortable with children having bigger emotions. Yeah. Um, and because we see it as morality, it's a misbehavior mm -hmm. in children. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just the whole idea of things making us uncomfortable. So in turn, we stop it with children is just ridiculous to me right. because First of all, if you're uncomfortable with a person showing emotion to you, then that's something that maybe you should work out uh -huh. and work on, on yourself. Yeah. But then what what are we showing to them? What are we telling to them? Because we're modeling for them every time they look at us, whether we think that they don't see us, they don't hear us, whatever. And when we spend this much time with them, we are like adults that they are looking up to are looking at to see like, okay, he's doing that. So it must be okay that I feel this way too. Those types of things. Right. Mm -hmm. But if we just consistently shut it down, right. then number one, they're going to, they're going to stop having emotions and showing them, which is unhealthy. Right. right. Or they're just not going to believe that their feelings are important enough to talk mm -hmm. about, which is like so sad. Yeah. Right? Or that they're wrong for having them, that there's yes. something wrong with them. Yes. Um, you know, I think we put a much higher expectation on children than we are willing to put on ourselves a lot mm -hmm. of times in, mm -hmm. in uh, you know, quote, unquote, teaching situations. Yes. You know, they're expected to handle all of their emotions and do just what they're, what they're told to do. And, um, uh, 
you know, essentially be happy and feed our egos, (laughs) feed our needs. Um, when they have, you know, what, 24 months of experience on earth, 38 months of experience on earth and whatever 52 times 12 is, that's how many Mm -hmm. months experience I have on earth. And who should I hold to a higher standard? (laughs) (laughs) Who's had more time to practice and, and, and figure it out. But, um, you know, the same, the same adults that, and I've been this, this adult, but, um, who are telling children you're fine or, um, just sit down, no talking, whatever are the ones who are talking through the meeting or yes, wiggling yes. around because we're uncomfortable sitting in the chair. We have to sit in, in the meeting mm-hmm. or, um, exactly. com- you know, uh, tattling on on our coworkers when we're upset that they're tattling on friends and in in yes. the space yes yes it's it it is it is a very interesting thing like when we put it that way um <laughs> because it's true i mean honestly like sit in any staff meeting and you're gonna see like so many quote-unquote bad behavior right, right? <laughs> It's like, what, what is, what's actually happening? Like, I just heard you tell these children earlier today not to do this. And yep. then here you are. And, and if I tell you, you not to do it, it's going to be a huge thing. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just that whole power kind of trip of like, I, I'm, I'm supposed to know more and yeah. you should listen to me when really, I, and I, and I don't know. Sometimes it's intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, just it's, intentional. It sometimes it's unconscious, you know, it's the culture yeah. sucks you into those scripts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're funny yeah like we all <laughs> none of us know anything kids we're all just gonna figure yeah. it out together which is yeah. and that too like that is fine and that's what i think a lot about too like okay so let's say you are for instance uncomfortable with children showing their emotions or things like if they come to you and show their emotions you can verbalize those things to them and you can say like your feelings are important i feel a little bit uncomfortable because i don't know mm-hmm. how to handle this but I'm willing to work through it or try to figure it out. Right. Because not only is that showing them that their feelings are valid and important, but it's also showing them that it's okay to be uncomfortable or not know something and try to work through it. Yeah. I it's people just feel like they can't have real conversations with children. They can't talk about real things with children. Children can't talk to them about anything. It's very like, I don't know. It's it's just very interesting. And then we put it all on them, right? We put yep. it all on them. You're misbehaving and you're making me upset. Now yes. my oh, idea- that makes me so sad when you do that. Yes. yes. Why are you let why why are they in charge of your emotion? <laughs> Literally. And then just what a sense of like guilt and like very, very just I don't know. It's yeah. it's just really not it's not going to lead to anything positive yeah. for that child because they're going to constantly be, whether it's you, whether it's the next teacher, whether it's their parent, whether it's their partner, whether it's their, whoever it is, mm-hmm. they're going to automatically think like, I need to make sure that I'm doing something to make this person happy, no matter what it's making mm-hmm. me feel like. Right. And what kind of life is that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Or forget, make someone else happy. I've just got to make them not mad. Yeah. You know, uh, that yes. I, I spent a lot of my first marriage. <laughs> Hello. Functioning. I say that all the time. I'm like, I, I, I know I can connect it to needs from my child, from my own child. Yes. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have spent so many hours in therapy if I probably had these things earlier. Right. 
but yeah. it's yeah. just it's there's a lot that I feel like adults need to know more about who children are and and what right. they can do um and just that they have you know all the same thoughts and feelings as us they just don't have as much experience to understand what those mean mm-hmm. or how what to do with do, it what to do with it that it's okay mm-hmm. um and it's just it's just it's a cycle it's mm-hmm. just that continuous cycle of don't get upset don't make your teacher upset I saw something the other day on Facebook or something, and it was like a from like a first grade or kindergarten. It was like a worksheet thing the teacher sent home, and it said like <gasps> things to do in school. Yes, make your teacher happy or make something. Make your teacher happy. I was yes, like, that was kindergarten, I think. I'm like, oh my god, if my kid came home with that, I would literally no kidding. Like that is just like, and what does that say about you that you have to put that onto a child? When they already are, first of all, they're already going through so much just trying to figure out who they are Mm -hmm. and how they fit into the world. Not to mention this like collective trauma of a world that we're living in now that they're trying to navigate that we can't even navigate. Mm -hmm. And now they have to worry about making 75-year-old Miss Jones happy. Like, (laughs) it's just, it's it's very, very strange to me. And it's just kind of like one of those things that's just accepted. And, you know, there's so many parents and family members who just go along with that because they look at the teacher as the person who knows it all. So if your teacher is telling me that you need to do this, then you need to do this. And And child's obedience is a reflection of my parenting. Yep. So, so it's all tangled up in there. But you know, the reason that you and I saw that being passed around Facebook, that wasn't one of my friends. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, that was something that resonated so much with so many people that it made the rounds all Mm -hmm. over Facebook and it was on timelines everywhere I was looking. Yes. Yes. And I mean, that is, that is something that I think is a positive thing. That is something that's showing me that, that more people are starting to just think about children and childhood just a little bit differently. And well, it depends on who's sharing. That is true. People sharing it because look at this great idea. I'm going to try this too. (laughs) And then the people who are like you and me are like, why would you do this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, that is true. That is true. I did see that where they were like, oh yeah, good for the teacher. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. No way. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, Anyway. (laughs) I I just think, yeah, there's definitely a lot to be learned still for all of us, really. I mean, it's really this ongoing experience, right? Because because our lived experiences, because we've been kind of in this cycle, it's very hard to shift out of that. Yeah. And so there's literally, I swear, I tell people all the time, every day there's something that I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said it that way. I should do it differently this time. But that's, that's the point, right? It's that recognition and it's the ability to go back and be like, yeah. listen, I'm sorry that mm-hmm. I did that. Let's work through it, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what it's about because it is. It is it's hard to to move away from something that's so normalized and so and to move into something that's so, you know, progressive. Yeah. Yeah. Not really, but you know, again, yeah. just saying it to make the point. Um <laughs> That's been a progressive idea for a hundred years now. <laughs> Oh my God. I know. I, I, I worked at a school one time where I was doing all these things. And, and when I left, 
they said something to me like, we're really good. We're really going to miss your progressive teaching style. <laughs> and I said, oh, I really wasn't aware that allowing children to talk about their feelings was, <laughs> was progressive. Yeah. Okay. Now I feel bad for all these children. that Yeah. Are still here. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, um, that's a whole other episode. That's, you know, yes, the, same, exactly. the same thing as the people who say, well, I'm not political. Well, life oh. is political. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. So um, anyway, anyway. Well, this was a great conversation. Yes, I um, can keep going, but um, I know. I know. But we won't. We'll do another episode, maybe. Yeah, another one, yes. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, I am so easy to find. Um, <laughs> seriously, if you just Google that early childhood nerd. <laughs> but I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. I'm on Post, if anyone's a Post user now. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's not super exciting yet, but maybe if more people come over, it'll get exciting. Um, my website is just thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. The podcast can be you know, really anywhere. There's podcast, iTunes, Spotify, my website. So I'm easy to find. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening. And we'll catch you next time on the next episode of Honoring Childhood, the podcast. Honoring Childhood, the podcast is produced and edited by Samuel Broden, owned and operated by Honoring Childhood, part of the Broden brand.